You are listening to The Learning Factory. Please do not resist. Okay, welcome to the Learning Factory Podcast. You're going to be learning how to be a better design teacher over the next insert number of minutes here that we get out of this first episode. The whole point of this is that we have discovered that there is loads of education podcasts out there, but none of them are interesting to listen to, with the exception of the ones done by people we know, sorry. Um, I think we need to put a caveat on that, Dave, that um, we're using the term educational podcast very loosely here. Um, Probably more a bit of a, you know, a real world podcast. Basically, we talk about our experiences teaching myp design what we've fucked up and what's worked well and uh this you know not the podcast you play for your students in class no i would be i would not be sending this to my students i probably wouldn't even send this to my colleagues but until i knew them very very well what have we messed up and how to avoid messing up in similar ways i I think for the first podcast i I think um i had the brainwave do the design cycle very quickly and, and sort of do the podcast as a design cycle if that makes any sense. So where are we going to start? Oh, the, the question, where do we start? We start where the IB told us to at A1 or do we mix it up? And Let, let's do it? let's do what a, you know, any any new teacher to design might do and um, and jump in at A1 and feel the need to, to move along. Okay, cool. So for those of us who don't know, the uh, section or criterion, criteria, the problem, the design problem you're trying to solve uh, justify the need for a solution to a problem. Justifying the need for a solution to a problem. So what's, our, what's the problem that we're trying to solve in this situation, in this podcast? You and I have been talking for a while, um, having been in situations where we're new, new to MYP design, um, new to a school uh, that may not have a, an established design program, um, and trying to get some ideas, whether you're the only teacher the only design teacher in the school or you know you're all new but um trying to find some some practical help out there and uh when we mean practical help we're meaning just how it is we don't you know and let's make it clear we're not we're not here we're not pushing big words that they use in in uh university level words like marmalade and corrugated iron and yeah, I think if you wanted to put yeah. like if you're if you're having your your technical skills and you're leveling high, medium, and low technical skills, and if technical skills were words, we probably would never get above low or medium words. Um, yeah, yeah. No, nothing if, with if, nothing with three syllables or above. If you stumbled across this podcast and you're thinking about some you know <clears throat> pedagogy and metacognition and whatnot, you may as well just turn it off now. But if you want some practical advice, what sometimes works well and what fails often, uh, yeah, keep listening. Um, yeah, I remember being a, being first year teacher in IB, and what I had for four or five years teaching overall, and reading the design guide and going, what do they actually want me to do? It took a few weeks just to, for somebody to say, I think it was actually you said to me, you only have to do what's in the grey boxes. They're like the big important things. Do what's in the grey boxes and yeah. you'll be fine. It's, I, I look at it really, it's, it's very much like 
riding a bike. Um, you know, there's lots of different bikes out there you can ride and you probably fall off a few times. And just because you've been able to ride one bike doesn't mean you can ride the next bike you get on. Yeah, it's almost like the, the design cycle was intended for that. You can go around and around and around and around. Oh, that's a magic for, isn't it? I guess this, the facilities and the resources you have determine some of the things you can make, but they don't limit the success that you can have with the kids. Yeah, you can, you can do design thinking with a pen and a piece of paper and, and maybe a bit of blue tack or whatever, you know, just some simple stuff. You don't need all bells and whistles. And I think we'll probably get to that in a later podcast about like, what do you really need to do and what do you need to have are two separate things really you're looking at design thinking. Yeah. So if you, so we've identified what a problem is, why solutions needed, um, because people need practical advice, pumping my ties up a bit there. What are some of the, the, the research questions that we might ask? Okay. Why, why do we feel that this, uh, this is a problem. Like if the, if the problem is like, what do people do day one in design? You've, you've been shoved into a design room, given the guide, printed out, and gone, right, you're, you're teaching, off you go. That's the first question is, all right, what, what am I doing? What, what's the purpose, the overall goal? And what do I have? So some of the questions are primary research. What's in front of me? What resources do I have? What am I going to do next on day one? I guess one of the key things I'd, I'd want to make sure I'm asking too is, Okay, I've got to cover this. I've got to go through these these four objectives. I've got these 16 strands I've got to cover. So they're non-negotiables. I've got to get through those. But the other non-negotiable is I I want the kids to enjoy it. I I don't want it to be a writing subject. Yeah, well, that's a whole different that's a whole different discussion, isn't it? Like about oh, writing about design versus actually designing. Yeah. But that's one of my research questions. I'll I'll put that in there. I think a big one is as well, like you, like you said, you're going back to like, I've got these things I need to cover. I think with other subjects, you've got content, you know, you, you've got, I need to do algebra and I need to do creative writing and I need to do this. But sometimes you walk into a design room, design department, and you kind of have to ask, well, what do they do here? Is this different to the last school or it's completely different to other subjects? There mightn't be content really, especially if you're working internationally. You're not working within a national curriculum. So that was one thing I struggled with. Yeah, and I guess also too, you know, a lot of a lot of schools are they've they've got their um, their standards that they're working with as well as their IB um, objectives and curriculum. So it's about making you know making the two fit together. And and from what I've seen, looking at you know different standards from around the world, that they're all very much asking for the same thing it's just different sentence structure really yeah yeah you could pick if you really pick down on what they want what want you to do it's just different words for the same same question like yeah it's like even in ireland well shocker for everyone i'm irish and this podcast does not come with subtitles uh it's very much skills based but they're bringing in more about design thinking process stuff like that It's, it's becoming more in that way um, I don't know what what's the like what's design called in Australia? Is it called design? Well, yeah, I think like in the it's design and technology, design and technology or design technology. Look, I can't be too sure. I I've been out of Australia <laughs> for eleven years now, and I guess that's the other thing why we're we're talking about this because often when you're thrown into MYP design, um, you may not actually have a background in design. Um, yeah. Because unfortunately, 
a lot of the times it's sort of a, a bit of a timetable filler. Um, oh, big time, big for time the, yeah. for the staffing, particularly for for new schools and everything. So, um, you know, obviously my my background when I was working in Australia wasn't uh, a design specialist. I taught a bit of uh, humanities, as most teachers do. I taught a little bit of English because I had a linguistics background. Um, and I taught, uh, well, I stood at the front of a class um, <laughs> with some disengaged grade nine boys and sort of did some IT with them. We did a bit of metal work, um, that sort of stuff. So I, I really got thrown into design when I came overseas and that's where my love of the subject came from. Um, and obviously, Dave, your your background is the polar opposite of mine. Yeah, I'm I'm specialist. I'm actually not though. I kind of I, I play that up a bit. I'm I'm a metalwork teacher. That's my metalwork and design communication graphics, which is a lowly word for what everyone would call draftsmanship back in the day. So yeah, pencils and hammers and stuff. Um, but yeah, like I had to learn design. When I came overseas, rather than learning the the hard the hard skills, they were all ingrained in me, and it was very hard to to tell kids, "No, you're cutting that wrong." Rather than going, "Oh, well, at least I cut something. That's pretty good." You're going to get kind of lamped into, or you're going to get lamped out of your comfort zone, aren't you? You're going to be going, "Ah, what am I doing?" For me, anyway, that was one of the, I guess, the benefits coming into design from not having that design um, that background where I wasn't, I was more focused on the process of, of going through the design cycle as opposed to being finicky about the skills and ensuring that everything was correct. Um, and, I, and I think there's a, there's a good balance with that. Having worked with, you know, different teachers um, in my time overseas, some who were similar to me and others who came from industry first and, working with them you can you can really get that balance then as about what's important for skills but what's important about that conceptual understanding i think that's i think that's probably your your perfect research question isn't it so what's the important thing i need to do or, or what's the balance i strike between designing stuff and making stuff and the kids are going to dictate that as well they're going to be like oh we want to make stuff right now and you kind of go well yeah cool that's fun and I want to let you do that, but then I've got these other fifteen criteria strands I need to get through as well. And how do I, how do I balance that? And how do I make those enjoyable and make them fun? Yeah, and that's right. And it's about interpreting those strands as well. Um, you know, often, like we, I said before, kids kids like design because they get to use their hands. It's not if they wanted to write, they can. I can stay in English and humanities. They don't have to come to design. I was, I was going to let you say that because you you got the English and humanities background. I, I wasn't going to like shit all over the, the INS teachers. I was going to let you do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's about it's and 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 sometimes there's there's nothing wrong with with reading the criteria exactly how they're written, right? And and when you're learning yourself, yes, you you probably will have a bit more writing because you're feeling that there's that pressure from coming from your your head of department who might be very experienced or. Um, the MYP coordinator or the fact that you've never been in MYP before and you're absolutely shitting bricks because 
no one's telling you exactly what you have to teach. So that's fine. But as you start to get more and more experience, you can then, as you're reading those strands, you can say, yeah, I, this, I can, practicing doing this, you know, doing different joints on scrap bits of wood, that's a part of your research. That fits into Criterion A. You, you, yeah. You're doing primary research. Um, so just, I guess, taking that, that leap of faith and, and backing yourself about what you actually want to do is, is a big thing. Yeah, I think we get we get into the that for a long time. Like, how do I MLA format cutting a piece of wood from my research plan? Because my head department said that all research points have to be MLA formatted. Uh, yeah, and ask your librarian how to reference that one. That'll keep them thinking for a bit. They'll be flicking through the Dewey Decimal System trying to find out where they got that from. Oh, it's good. Twenty it's twenty twenty one. Like librarians are looking for jobs these days, so keep them busy for a few hours. Uh, Actually, that's a good one. Actually, though, what, I, what what to do with all those spare index cards these days? <laughs> Let's make paper card hoses, what we call. I reckon it's good though. Actually, uh, moving on swiftly to A three, it's like looking at what other people have done before. Yes. Like looking at what's out there. What's because I reckon a lot of people. I've got a I've got a unicorn at the moment where kids are making making stuff, and they're like, "Oh, how do I make a new pair of headphones?" And I was like, "You don't have to make a new pair. You don't have to." You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Design's not about reinventing the wheel. It just ask Samsung and Apple. They're just putting different stickers on the same phone. Yeah, that's invention. We're innovation. Change it. Make it a tiny bit better and you'll make millions or you'll make a great design. So yeah, looking at what's already out there and not thinking that you have to reinvent that. So yeah, you mightn't agree with what your HOD is doing or you mightn't necessarily know exactly how to make that product but just having a look at it and seeing what what you want to take from it is the main main idea there. Like with the podcast, we're like, we're sitting down listening to a lot of podcasts, education or otherwise. And we're like, I like that. I'm going to take that little bit of somebody's podcast. And it's like, I don't like this about. Yeah. And a lot, and a lot of it's too, right. Like it's come from, you know, we had the, the benefit of, of, of team teaching together for a number of years. And um, a lot of the stuff we told you, it was like, yeah, that, that would have been really bloody good if someone had have told me that right at the start yeah. or shit, like why didn't we think of doing it this way ages ago? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's, well, that's the whole point of going around the cycle a couple of times, isn't it? When you get back to that, you go, actually, no, I'm going to do it differently this time. And every time you teach yeah. something, it's going to be different and hopefully it's going to be better. You are going to fuck it up the first time. You might only fuck it up a little bit. You think it went great, but the second time around, you're going to go, oh, that was actually a lot better. Or it wasn't, and you identify that. Right, that's the key thing for that that sort of section, that criteria strand. Is like, okay, what went well, or what's good, what's bad, what am I going to do better in my own design, or next time, or. or so, we're on to A four. Where we're, we're thinking about. We're, it. we're just we were just talking about writing, weren't we? Yeah, we're on to A four, where we're thinking about our design brief, and this is, I, I guess, this is the one that causes the most confusion angst um debate well for me I'll, I'll tell you one thing is if you anybody who's ever worked in the, the national equipment system in england in the uk or any british school this is your first thing you're given the brief or the teacher comes up with the brief and gives it to the students and then they go and research and this is what messed with my head for so so long yeah sorry go on. yeah and this is the, and you know as, as teachers 
this one's a bit of a mind fuck as well. I can only imagine what it's like for the kids. So getting your head around this is what's important. And I guess, I don't know, we, we've sort of talked about it, sort of breaking it down to your goal, who it's for, challenge you, you'll have, and how you know it's going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. getting some rough sort of like idea of where you're going. Like what's, your, what's your end goal? How do you know if you met that goal or not? Dave, do I need to know what I'm going to create when I'm writing my design brief? No, God no. You need to know no. what problem you're going to solve, maybe, and even a general area of a problem. You might, you'll end up finding things along the way that you're like, oh, actually, that's better. I'm going to move in that direction. The problem is, I suppose, then it's like balancing the amount of freedom you want to give students. Like if you give a lot of uh, grade six, 11 year olds, go, yeah, make whatever you want. Go nuts. You're going to end up with a zoo. All right, so we've done the criteria. So what we we've written our goal. We've written, we we know what we're doing. We know who we're doing it for. We know what we know what's happening. We've done a bit of research. We've got an idea of what's happening. It's an authentic, authentic task. It is. Yeah, it's it's a real problem. And and for me to go against what I said and jump into some you know teacher speak, it 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 fits a graphs model. Oh yeah, goal goal something something and something yeah that's the one. Uh yeah, grasp. Oh, I'll just sit in the microphone. I'll have to edit that out on my squeaky chair. So anyway, uh, the next section is uh, section B, developing ideas. And this is where you have to grab the kids by the reins and go, no, we're not making stuff yet. We're still designing because they already know what they're building because they've written a really good design brief, haven't they? On the third beep, the time will be B1. Beep, 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 beep. B1 is the specification. The hint is in the name, kids. Specific. How have you found the best way to do specifications, Dave? Oh, backwards. Backwards, always. Doing backwards. Yeah. So I usually get a product um, and you go, all right, what's the specification for that product? So when you're, when, you're, when you're grabbing one of your products, do you use one of the products that they've analyzed in A3 where they've already got an understanding of it? They, they've already thought about it. They've... They've got that knowledge. You're not throwing something new at them that then's going to take them 45 minutes of the 50 minute period to say, "Oh, yeah, good shout." Yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe with the older ones you might throw them a challenge. Also, if you get a range of stuff that's roughly similar, like you get like a pair of headphones, some AirPods, I don't know, a speaker, and you kind of go, "Well, these are all roughly the same thing, aren't they?" And you go, "What was the specification for all of them?" And yeah. that makes it a nice general specification. So it doesn't narrow down their ideas later on. Because yeah. you get these kids and you get teachers as well who come in and go, okay, it must be blue. It must be 40 by 20 by 10 centimeters and, and X, Y, and Z. It must be made from plastic. Yeah. And, you're like, well, and that's and that's the other thing too. Like don't don't stress out. Like if you're if your school, like if you're in a school that, you know, use what you've got. The the easiest thing, we're in a school. Everyone is sitting on something or, or holding something or you know look at chairs look at tables look at classrooms like there's lots of different things that you can use that are serving the same purpose but are different so utilize what what's available and even if that's completely different to what you're actually trying to do in the unit it at least it allows them to make that connection well you don't want to say exactly what you want in your specification you're trying to go for a range so you're giving yourself a bit of wiggle room. So like if you say like a chair, if you say like, oh, analyze the chair you're sitting on, like give me a specification for the chair you're sitting on. 
they're going to go, oh, well, it's for um, grade sevens because they're in grade seven. And you go, are they the only kids I teach? Like, oh, no, no, you teach grade 12s as well. Yeah, and then you walk over and sit on it and say, hey, I'm not in grade seven. So, yeah, they go, oh, actually, it's for people between the ages of X, X and Y. And, and oh, okay, that, so now it's quite general. Now you've got a bit of wiggle room, don't you? Yeah, and that's it. And and, and chairs, are, chairs and tables... Chairs and tables are great because they're simple. Like, what's the key thing a table must have? Kids are like, oh, it needs to have four legs. Well, it doesn't actually because the, the table that you're working at has got a, a single pedestal type, whatever it's called in the middle. Um, what what does it have to have? And then they sort of get, like, it needs to have a, a, a flat surface. Yeah. But even if they say, like, oh, it's got to be a level surface, you go, what about a drawing desk? You just like keep shooting their ideas down a little bit in a, in a positive way, make them all feel good and warm and fuzzy. But yeah. Cause that's when they say, well, there's, there's, there's tables that have a round surface and that's where you say, that's a sculpture. Go down to the art room. Yeah. Take your ideas and get out and go be creative somewhere else. The developing ideas section is no place for creativity. Get out. We want specific specifications. And then some kid goes, is that the ocean beside America? And you go, all right, just wake up. Come on front loading for them is about the difference between something that's measurable and something that's opinion. You always get kids who are like, oh, it's going to look cool. Yeah. And I always go like, all right, I'm 30 whatever years of age. What I think is cool and what you think are cool are two completely exactly. different things. So that, that's important. Um, and, then, and then moving on to your... My favourite criteria strength. Exactly. And this is where the, this is where the magic happens. <laughs> We just opened the fridge in the episode of Cribs. Oh, that's gonna date. That's gonna date this episode. Nobody remembers Cribs. Oh no. <laughs> B two. Design ideas. This is where you can go to town and have as much fun. You can bring in as much detail as you want. And I guess what you're asking, as long as you're developing a range of feasible design ideas you can have as much fun with this as you want and I, i've found i can get a lot more out of the students now because i can be a lot more direct i guess with what i need from this i, I know how to structure it up a lot more. what do you mean by structure it up what i used to be able to do so taking that time you know about some terminology you know so difference between drawing and sketching the um what thumbnails are talking about wireframes talking about um when you're boxing yeah all that. One, one of the big things i suppose is the structure but i was i was always so confused when i came into nyp design first it was like because in in the british system in the irish system you do your initial ideas and that's a whole section on its own and then you do your developed ideas later on with the annotations with the material choices exploded wireframes, CAD drawings, all this kind of stuff. That's later on. Whereas in NYP design, it's design ideas. And that can have a number of like subsections almost with thumbnails, with stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and I remember going to, when I, when I first started in NYP, um, going to a workshop and, um, and the facilitator, she said, what I tell my kids with this, I tell them to think of, you know, two or three ideas that they probably can and an idea that is just out of the box. Doesn't matter if you mm -hmm. can't do it, just going through that process. 
because obviously when we jump down to justifying your choice, the, the chosen idea, you're not going to choose that because it's not feasible. But yeah. going through that process of that taking that idea from your mind and getting it on the paper and making it so that someone else can actually understand what you're you, thinking and your thoughts. I think that's important because you don't want to smash creativity as well. If you're in a school no. and you're, you know, maybe you're just working with, with cardboard for material design, don't limit your kids on what they're thinking. Yeah. They can, because they can think in metal they can think in plastic exactly. even if you don't have it you know maybe they're vacuum forming something that's fine it's not it's not the most feasible design idea so they're not going to choose it but don't let it don't smash smash the creativity out of them because of circumstance yeah like if somebody kids some kid says like oh i'd love to weld two pieces of metal together to make this product and goes further down the line you don't actually have to do that for a prototype you can get two plastic bottles and ask one of the great tools for his lighter and, and melt them together. There you go. Same thing. Or you just ask your teacher. Ask your co-teacher. Yeah, yeah. Any chance of a ciggy? Uh, no. Um, smoking bad, kids. That's right. They all vaping these days. <laughs> well, even I'm, in the, I'm in the situation now where the most sort of heavy material I'm working with is plastic. Maybe some softwood, some kind of plywood, stuff like that. So nothing... Nothing too hectic, but it's really, it's good to go back to basics and see what you can actually do with, with card and cardboard and paper. Yeah, that's right. You can have some, you can have some great stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit confronting when you come to the creation stage later on, be like, oh, I don't actually have that. But just having that knowledge that that's not the point. It's about being creative. Because we don't want to smash the, cre like, my kids come home with unicorns and castles. It, it looks to me like a screwed up bit of paper, but it's a magical unicorn that shits cupcakes and the other one is, you know, a castle with a magical princess in it. We don't want to beat the creativity out of them. Yeah. I've, I've got a kid. She's like grade eight and she makes herself a new crown every week out of paper to wear on, on zoom calls in class, just a new one. And it's like, oh yeah, amazing. Show us your new, waste 10 minutes of the class. Show us your new crown. Let's have a look at that. How have you made yeah. that? How is it connected up in the back? Yeah. So how how would you structure? How would you structure? We're getting off topic now. That would be like us and unicorns. No. Uh, so very very quickly, mm. how do you? And I don't know. Maybe we're getting off topic because we we're going through the design cycle talking about this. So if this was B two design ideas, give us a quick rundown on for this product what your ideas would have been what's oh, th what's this product the, the, anyway, what am i making we're making a podcast for... oh shit sorry i thought we we're talking hypothetical crowns there for a second no yeah so uh design ideas you go with um like one person talking into a sock podcast then you go with uh two people having a conversation podcast mm, that sounds interesting and then you go with like group discussion you go recording in class maybe and then you go way off and you go, what if I make a YouTube video talking into my terrible MacBook camera and just, just do that or video a class even. So there already I've got like five ideas. Pick the best few and develop them. Yeah. And then you've, you've got those other things, right? Which about the, the, the structure of the podcast too, right? And, and that's where you can come up with your different structures, you know, whether it's a 
very formal, whether it's a Q&A type thing, whatever. And then this is where your specifications that you've come up with in B1 and your design ideas in B2 are helping you make that informed decision for B3 where you're justifying your decision. Yeah. And, I th and I think this is one of those key areas where when I was new to design, I ended up getting the kids to write a lot more than what they needed to write because I would get them to check every design of those, you know, they, they've come up with their thumbnails, they come up with a range, they've got it down to three design ideas. And then I'd get them to justify each of those design ideas against the specifications. And just check them like, like almost like checklist, every one of them. Yeah, you know, ticks and crosses and, and everything. But you don't need to do that because when you actually are looking at that criteria, you're just justifying the chosen idea. Yeah, I, I've definitely gone back and I've definitely gone back and I remember like told a kid to put a red X or like just ignore an idea because it didn't fit all the specification points. And I've been like, that was stupid. You could have fixed it, but they could have fixed it to make it somewhat fit the criteria. They could have developed that into something good, but I've just stood on it and crushed it because I haven't thought about it and I haven't, I haven't known the criteria yeah. well enough. And I haven't known the flexibility within the criteria well enough. Like the Mr. IB yeah. superhero isn't going to zoom in through the window and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I, know, I now have an image of, of like an IB-based superhero on my head. Yeah, and then, so you, you've justified, you, you, you're explaining why it's the best choice. And this is where it, you know, it comes down to a number of reasons. It may not be the design idea that best fits the specifications, but it may be the design idea that best fits the resources and the facilities you've got at the school, or it's the best idea that fits the student's current skill level or within the range. And the other key, the other really important thing, you don't want a kid to limit themselves with the design idea they come up with when it comes to criterion C and they're only showing low technical skills because then they've shot themselves in the foot and that's not fair on them because you as the teacher should have that foresight to be able to understand. Okay. They still need to have that opportunity to achieve a, a level eight for C2 I need, to, I need to make sure that they understand that back here in criteria B so that they're not limiting themselves. Yeah, true, actually. Yeah. I think, yeah, the big thing is like, almost like pretending, we, pretending you're in a perfect world at this stage. You're like, anything is possible in B2. Like, you can get something made. If, if your school doesn't have a 3D printer, you can 3D print that. Or you're, you don't have any metalworking equipment and they want to make something massive. Yeah, you can make a metal frame. Just... Put the ideas forward. We'll work around that later in, in planning. And, and you can always build a prototype. You don't have to build the actual thing. And that's the other, and that, and that's the other thing too. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead, but it goes back to that last comment about technical skills and what you classify as high, medium, and low. As a school, you need to classify that. You, you, as a department or as an individual, you need to come up with your list of what you see as high, medium, and low skills for what the kids can actually achieve where you are. One school might say, you know, uh, arc welding with with perfect welds is a high skill. 
but a school that doesn't have those facilities, you know, can't do that. Maybe, maybe it's having similar to a, to a world, but it's with a yeah. glue gun. They've made a solid connection and they've thought about the forces that are acting on that piece. They're not going to put 10 kilograms weight on it like you would a metal joint, but they're going to put an equivalent force as a test. Well, exactly. I've gone ahead to test now, haven't I? So, but the thing is, and and that's the thing. That's the the vagueness of the of the criteria, but that's the beauty of the criteria. That, yep, from for for every school in the world that that has decided we are going to offer MYP and we're going to offer MYP mm -hmm. design, they can use that same criteria. So it's it's a it's a blessing in a that's curse. That's the, the the important thing I think we need to remember as well. Like the school school doesn't need to offer design. Doesn't really needs to do something like it so if you're talking about product design like making stuff they can go nah do something cheaper on computers so you, you, you kind of need to yeah so let's do yeah, so we actually do us a pretty this is pretty very product design focused line of thinking that's it but and i guess that's where i your you find around the world a lot more digital design programs because it's a lot easier to run um, from an international school perspective, um, which are essentially private schools, fee paying schools. Um, lots of them will have one, one to one programs. So that's quite easy. Um, a lot of them will have the, the facilities for a, a, a product design as well. Um, but then um, you know, government schools, state-run schools in, in various countries around the world, they're often decisions made by governments where, okay, we're all going to adopt the MYP, but schools are very different in, in what they can offer. So that's where, you know, maybe they've got one computer lab that in, in the school and they can use digital, but then also... You've got schools that, that don't have those facilities. They don't have IT within the within a school, but you've still got that ability to be able to. That's where you can run a, a product design yeah. unit. Yeah, yeah it, I think that's that's probably like a, a bigger issue. Is like what can you do with the resources you have? B four. Uh, did we do B three? We did. Well, we better go back to that because we got off topic a bit. Um, where. You're justifying your design choice. So you're talking about your your skills, your facilities, the you know basically which design idea you have the best chance of succeeding with. That's usually your best design, and that's the one you justify. And I re I think it's important too, particularly for the the older years, like. MYP four and five, if they've got the ability to go through their design ideas with their client, that adds that next dimension to justifying the choice of that yeah. design idea. Because you may think this, this, this product's perfect, this really meets it. But if your client says, I actually like this one, because I'm actually, uh, I, I much prefer geometric shapes, I forgot to tell mm -hmm. you that, then go with that because the beauty of design it's a cycle it's not a line so you can go back and you can add in a design specification 
must be contain geometric shapes. Done. Yeah, it's like that. Like uh, especially in the upper years, they kind of they wait until the evaluation phase to get any feedback at all, and then they end up say showing it to another teacher or a parent or a friend or whatever else, and then they go oh, X, Y, and Z, and then they get really deflated and they're like, oh, this is rubbish. I don't want to do this anymore. And and you're like, well, you could have done that like in the design phase and then made something really cool and you got great feedback and, and you were able to make sort of maybe two versions of something because you have that skill level when you're in the upper years and uh, they can get that immediate feedback. But it's about instilling that confidence in the student to go, no, go and talk to someone. Ask, actually get some feedback of someone now. Don't wait till later on. Yeah, that's and then right. you can you can use that feedback as a justification then for B four. Yeah, and I guess the other thing you, you um, just to to jump back a little bit from B three as well is when you're coming up with your specifications, you do need to be thinking about um, your testing methods that you're going to be using in D two. This is actually funny. We keep jumping back and forth between the different Bs. And a kid said this to me not so long ago. He goes, he looked at the, the design cycle diagram and uh, he said, there's arrows between the sections like A, B, C, and D. And then there's that mess in the middle with all the arrows. And, and then he said, there's no arrows between the yeah. sections, the 16 sections around the edge. And I went, yeah, actually you're right. Some of them depend on doing some first. Like you can't do justifying the design choice without having design ideas. There's nothing really saying, he was kind of thinking out loud, he's like, there's nothing yeah. really saying you can't do develop design ideas before specification. Yes, naturally speaking, you can kind of do it, but you can make a few ideas and then go back from there. Yeah, I think it's important that where it's, I've, I find it, it's much easier to jump into B2 where you, you're coming up with your, you know, your thumbnail ideas and those initial ideas, refining those, then going back to B1, coming up with your specs and then jumping back into B2 yeah. and, and changing things. Yeah, after, you've, after you've decided what are the, what are the must-haves and the wants and the needs in B1, well, yeah. how do I develop my yeah. idea now? Yeah, B2, B1, B2 yeah. again, yeah. And then, so we've decided. Because, well, because I think most in the real world, in the real world, when people are coming up with an idea, they sketch up their idea. They don't sit there and say, oh, I've got this idea. I'm just going to write out a list of uh, specifications for it first. No, they, they sketch out an idea and then they say, oh, yeah, like, yep, that's what it needs to have. These are the things. Now, I can change this up a bit, but, yeah, this is what's important. It needs to have this and this and this. Uh, like, I wonder if you got a, uh, an actual product designer on, professional product designer, really successful one, and ask them to have a look at the design cycle. Would they... Would they be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much what I do, but in different ways? Or would they be like, no, that's a market off? Yeah, well, when you look at it, it's, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty simpler. It's, it's simpler. That's why I'm not still teaching English, because I can't even fucking speak it. It's, it's a pretty simple process, and it does match up with, with industry pretty well, where it's that whole think, make, break, repeat. Mm. Obviously, that repeat element of it, is um, a bit hard at times because we're, con we're we've got time constraints. 
You know, mm. you, you you can't just have an endless unit. It'd be awesome to say to the kids, right, we're going to start this program in M- this unit in MYP1 and we're going to keep fucking doing it for five years because by the end of it, you're going to have the most awesome product that has been bloody refined and, you know, the iterations of it. It's 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 got more versions than Police Academy. <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have a fucking theater full of chairs after you're finished with this and that's not right. one of them is gonna last except for that last one you're making myp5 exactly like a super game of thrones sort of and just like edison's thrones. light bulb you've got a lot of ways not to make a chair <laughs> a lot of broken stuff on the floor god imagine imagine trying to sell that to your finance department so we're gonna make a million things every year cheers right. yes. a budget for that Oh, that's oh, budgets, the whole other episode, I'm sure. All right, so you, you've decided what you're going to make. You've justified it. You've said this is the best thing because X, Y, and Z. Because Most likely because I'm making a jewelry project and my girlfriend, boyfriend has said they want a heart necklace and that's the best idea because I want to keep them happy. Or my teacher said I need to make a chair, so I'm making a four-legged chair because that's super easy. I hope it's helped a little bit with A and B, like thinking, you know, we, we've talked, we're... Someone's probably just listened to this if they're still listening. They're just shaking, Thank they're you. Just shaking their head. Uh, if if they're, they're probably thinking, you know what, these two fucking idiots have caused me more questions now than they've actually answered. <laughs> yeah. But that's good because we've, we've, we've stimulated your, your design mind mm. and hopefully you'll tune back in for um, the next episode where we're going to go through and talk about C and D. We still haven't done B four, and 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 how that fits. Haven't we done B four? <laughs> we got so stuck on 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 B because it was such a shit show. Uh, we haven't done B four. Oh, well, you can just edit, you can edit that bit uh-huh. and put it at the end because that was fucking cool. It was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I was going to leave you keep going, but um, all right. So we've, just, yeah. we've decided what we're making. Right. We've justified B four. We've, we've we've decided I'm going to make a podcast, and it's going to be the most awesome podcast. And design specification is perfectly met. Ten out of ten which has never been in the history of MYP design. All right, what are we doing before? What's the point? We're, we're, what's the criteria? We've got to draw something or something. Well, yes. Basically, the way I, I like to explain it to kids is this is you give this to someone else and they should be able to make what it is you're thinking of. It may not be exactly the same. Mm. It, it may have some little... But basically, they should be able to see, understand, and be able to go away and create the product. So, like, here, here's the concept, and here's like the must-haves. But there might be some very. Yeah, this is this is the architects finish with the designs. This is the stage where after this, he gives it to the builder, and the builder goes, "What? Is this guy fucking architect? Yeah, what was he smoking when he fucking drew this up?" Fucking Frank Geary all over this again, balling up bits of paper, and he hasn't even talked to the engineer. Yeah. yeah. So you give it to the engineer, you give it to the, yeah. the builder, you give it to whoever, and they they make it. And then this is your design. Yeah. This is what you should. If you were talking about professional design, so, this is what they show to the client. This is the final render. This is the what. This is what you're going to pay me to to build to design. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's also you know you can have your um. As a part of this, you can have your your digital mock-ups, like your um, your CAD drawings in here as well. 
Yeah. And, and even going back to the digital stuff, like if you're making a digital product, like an app, a website, this is where you've got your wireframe diagrams. This is where you've got like your, your, your flow charts of like how things work in robotics and your, maybe your block programming, if you're doing some simple sort of stuff like that. That's it. And you might've jumped on your Microsoft paint and, and whipped up some, you know, very primitive screenshot type. Do they even have Microsoft paint anymore? Images. They do. They do. Is that still a thing? Okay. Due to copyright, I won't say who, but there's a, yeah, there's a, a great guy on YouTube that does some really cool uh, animation and he uses Microsoft paint. Um, so it's, it's one of those things, right? Like just because something looks simple doesn't mean it's not awesome. I'm not saying what I'm not saying Microsoft paints awesome, but I am saying it can do cool things. That's well, that's an important point for next episode talking about tools, equipment, resources. You can do anything you want. There's no limit to what you can actually do with very simple tools. All right. So we've got a drawing. Or in this case, we've got a an Excel spreadsheet of what we want to do in a podcast, and hopefully we've solved the problem. Yeah, and that's the other that's the other beauty of using um, like CAD programs, like Fusion, and things like that, where particularly for um, product design and, and materials, um, you can do it on there, and it breaks it all apart for yeah. you to give you a cut yeah. list. You've got to have all the equipment, resources, and stuff like that in your final drawing as well. People just go, here's my drawing. And then you go, what's it made from? And they go, wood, obviously. And you go, it's a black and white drawing. How am I supposed to know that? Get some labels, get some bigger materials, get a cutting list on. Yeah, and and, and that's where sometimes, jump, you know, going back to, to B2 and design ideas, really getting the kids in the habit of, of annotating. Um, you can't have too much information on it. You can, like... A sketch, it doesn't need to look pretty. It, you just need to understand. Said, like, this whole this whole criteria section, it's all about communication. You know, it, it, once you get the point across, you've drawn a stick figure. Okay, you don't need to do this full anthropometrically accurate uh, drawing of a person or a hand or something like that. You've got a stick finger and you've got something on top of them or your table, your chair is drawn to an appropriate scale. It makes sense. It communicates the idea. That's all we need. That's it. And so it, like if, you know, when we, we go back to talking about making design enjoyable and it's not a writing subject, when you look at this subject, uh, this subject, this criteria, maybe you've got eight or 10 dot points as your specifications and maybe you've got three or four sentences justifying your design idea and that's all the writing you need yeah, for this criteria. You're, you're in your three or four sentences, you've referenced all 12 of those specification points because you either said meets all specification points or you've gone and you've coded them like meet specification point 1.1, 1 1.2. You've just gone. And yeah. And, you, and you've talked about your skills and the resources and just about getting smart. And if you want to talk about it, give it, you know, do a recording. Yeah. Well, that, like inclusion and in design, you, know, you talk about it's the fun subject. It's the one you want people to enjoy. If you, you've normally got, um, kids have come out of, say, let's say five other subjects where they've had to write in maybe their second language for a lot of the time or think in a different language. You don't want to bombard them with more vocabulary and writing if you don't have to. 
And that's it. And that, and I guess that's one of the other things we need to make. You know, when we're talking about what we do, we're we're not actually in schools that do the e assessment. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's certain requirements that obviously if you're talking about MYP fives e assessment, that's a whole different kettle of fish. We've got the luxury of if kids want to record and and present a lot of their stuff through audio, they can. Um, so. I, I, my advice, if your school does e-assessment, I would just make sure you're very clear on, on what the requirements are for that portfolio unit that you have to send off for the e-assessment for, for design. Congratulations on making it through the first Learning Factory podcast. They get better, I promise. Yes. Or maybe they don't. Ooh. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Join us next week and uh, we'll get through... Um, B and C, and maybe we, we might even elaborate a little bit on our own journeys, what we've been doing and what we do in design at the moment, because we haven't really mentioned that either. So, yeah, if you come back, if you come back, congratulations. You have been listening to The Learning Factory. Thank you for your attention. End of recording.